Welcome to Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalist John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Well, welcome to episode 32, and we're calling this one Refresh and Refeather. And yes, it's that time of the year where it's all about birds putting on a brand new coat and refeathering to get ready for migration or for winter. Yeah, feathers are pretty fabulous. And it's it's really cool. There are a lot of different kinds of feathers, and some feathers are very specialized in what they do and what they're for. And, you know, feathers are only on birds. So it's a pretty unique kind of scenario. <laughs> and that's the kind of stuff you're going to hear in this podcast. That's right. <laughs> Oh, yeah. But you're also going to hear about how fast does a feather grow and including what if you find a feather? How can you even figure out what bird it came from? And why you could be arrested if you do have feathers in your possession. (laughs) So stick around for the fun and how to stay safe. What's happening around your place? Lots of feathers? Lots of fun? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, John. Um, the, you, know, you get into this uh, beginning of summertime, and I really enjoy being able to see a lot of soaring birds flying around and looking to see, can you see any missing feathers while they're flying? Uh, but one of the other fun things is on the ground, finding feathers. Uh, just in my yard in the last couple weeks, I have actually found a jay feather. And it's actually, it's from the tail. And I have also found a red-shouldered hawk flight feather. That was really exciting because it's in the front yard and it's standing up vertically. So it's like the way it fell, it just kind of slowly spiraled down as how I envisioned it. And it's stuck in the grass. And I went to go mow and I was like, holy cow, look at that. There's this huge (laughs) feather in the front yard. It's so cool to see that. You know, your your point's well made. I've been, you and I both are on a lot of different uh, social media, naturalist posts and birding mm-hmm. posts and that type of thing. And you've been seeing it in the last couple of weeks, just more and more people putting a photo of a feather online going, can right. anybody help me identify <laughs> this one? Because they're finding them. It's starting to, to, the birds are truly starting to refresh their feathers, mm-hmm. molt out a complete new set in many cases of feathers. And to do that, they got to get rid of the old feathers and people right. are starting to find them everywhere. Well, we have a, a coworker that said I could share her story because this was really neat. So Jan, um, she read an article that, uh, that I had written and shared one of your articles too, John. And, uh, getting them out there for our stores to help them with that expertise information and refreshing them on yeah. some of this molting information. And she said, you know, when I was, when I was little, you know, molting season is here, it's summertime. And as a kid, my brother and I would collect feathers that they would find in the yard and they just go out and look for them <laughs> because they turned it into a game. You know, I know my kids growing up collected different kinds of cards and traded the cards. These two would run out and collect feathers and then try to trade them with each other. <laughs> and she said, but we had no idea what they, what birds they came from. Not, not knowing that one day she would work for Wild Birds Unlimited. <laughs> right. <laughs> she said since they didn't know what birds they came from, they made up these elaborate stories 
to make each feather be that much more intriguing or important or of a higher value. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. That that sounds like something kids would do, right? Well, you know, you're exactly right, because I've got two sons, and and, uh, one of my sons has followed in the footsteps, if you will, and is is running an ornithology center here in the uh, Parks Department for Indianapolis. And uh, he always was into nature, but one Mm -hmm. of the first clues to how deep he was into it was exactly what we're talking about. He went around the yard on a regular basis, and he would find cardinal feather and, like you're saying, a blue jay feather mm-hmm. and a down. And those are kind of feather. easy, right? <laughs> yeah, and he literally worked and and cataloged, so he would be able to figure out what he was birds cataloging so, them. Uh, yeah, it was it was <laughs> so that was the first clue that I think. Uh, wow, he may be really really serious mm. about this whole thing. Oh yeah, I think at this point we probably technically need to advise people that you are not allowed to have feathers in your possession you can well. find them in your yard and you can look at them and the kids can catalog them or figure them out but technically it is against state and federal laws to possess those feathers but it does go way back and it that law came into being as part of the the migratory bird treaty act which at this point is multinational to, to help protect the birds uh, 1900s bird feathers were a huge deal yeah for ornamentation and hats. And I think one of the most extreme examples of that, you know, not just birds being taken just for their feathers, but the great egret Mm -hmm. uh, has specialized feather plumes during breeding season. And it's just a few of them. And these birds were being killed just for those feather plumes because it it was such a lucrative thing to sell those feather plumes for the ornament, ornament, the hat ornament. uh, Right industry you know brian too it's it's uh it it's the symbol of the national audubon society and rightly so because it was this uproar about the fact that it's just slaughtering not just egrets but other Mm -hmm. herons and other 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 birds that create you know kind of showy plumage during the breeding season and and the the market hunters if you will were going in and just literally slaughtering these birds on the nest uh to get these feathers and it created a huge uproar uh, once it became, you know, kind of in the eye of the public. And it was what led to the creation of the National Audubon Society because of the uproar over the, the great egret and, and the uh, harvesting of all those those birds for right. nothing more than just some showy others. It's still a law that's out there to help protect all of our birds. Native Americans. Uh, you know, we talked earlier about about you know feathers and almost being magical well my gosh oh, yeah. you know i i'm sure everyone's familiar with the 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 lore in the native american community in regards to eagles and eagle feathers and and that type of thing oh, so from the bald eagle to the golden eagle go, yeah, exactly. so many different tribes yep. have so yep. many different scenarios and how uh hold them sacred in many respects yeah used in different ceremonies yeah, ceremonies and uh, everything else yeah. So this law takes that into account and makes a, there is a route that, you know, they are able to, to possess these for ceremony and, and yeah, other it's part, cultural. Yeah, it's part of their heritage, that yeah, culture and heritage absolutely. where if you're not part of that, then no, you're still under the laws if you can't keep them. So we're not trying to make that big a deal of it out of it, but it does beg the question to say, you know, you can't keep a collection of bird feathers or bird eggs or bird nests and put things back. And that's what's cool today, man. Everybody's got your phone on you, and you can take pictures of just mm-hmm. about anything yep. that you otherwise historically in the past would have collected. You don't have to collect anything anymore. Just take a picture, and you've got your collection. Right there. 
stutters. I mean, truly, truly. <laughs> I said they were kind of magical, but you know, feathers are just so <laughs> way cool. They do so many. Oh, they're so you know, unique. And they're, so they're unique in the, incredibly the nature world. unique. You know, for mm-hmm. something that's as light as it is, the strength in feathers is amazing and has a lot to do with the structure, how the feather is actually formed. The roles they play for birds. Obviously, mm-hmm. they help a bird fly. You can't fly without right. feathers. <laughs> well, I guess if you're a bat, you're flying without feathers. But basically, you know, for birds, it's all about uh, flying with feathers. Uh, it keeps them warm. The insulation mm-hmm. value of feathers is amazing. You know, the best insulation that we know of to this day is Goose Town. Uh, holds right. heat better than anything we've ever invented. Uh, you know, it provides birds with the incredible diversity and palette of different colors are in their feathers and mm-hmm. just amazing and the ornamentation you know everything from oh the, man, the, yeah. yeah you know the cardinal crest to the tufts on an owl on a gray horned owl the ear tufts on a gray horned owl oh uh, and then so you just, get into even some of the, the very ornate and specific kinds of feathers that are used to create sound yeah and yeah. whether that's in some of the oh, yeah. birds in north america like or, a woodcock or woodcocks. American woodcock, yeah. yeah. During their flight displays. Or, yeah. And then you get in some of those other really cool tropical areas. And a lot of folks may not realize birds have a lot of different <laughs> kinds of feathers. It's not just like maybe hair, you know, on our head. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about what kinds of feathers and what those feathers might do for the bird. Your basic layout of a bird, whether it's a cardinal or a blue jay or a golden eagle or a whatever, the basic layout of feathers on the bird's body are pretty much the same. You've got your flight feathers, which typically would be known as your primaries, your outer flight feathers on your wing or your primaries. The inner ones are your secondaries. Then you have your coverts, which are little small feathers that are the leading edge of the wing and come back to cover the edge of the, uh, the, the front edge of the flight feathers. You, you see where I'm going? Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. are so many different specialized feathers on a bird's body. Mm, Obviously yes. you got the tail feathers, but you got the little tail feathers underneath called the, the, you know, the, the coverts on, on the tail. You have little, some birds have little specialized feathers that are like little bristles, like our flycatchers. Right. They have like a little, little bristly around their, their mouth and, and their bill. And uh, and those special... are specially designed to help how yeah. they fly yeah. around your swallows and your swifts yeah. and to to help guide insects into their mouth because they're they're way up in the sky flying around catching yeah. insects and yeah imagine a teeny tiny thing that you're trying to pinpoint right into a small mouth yeah that helps like a funnel so very specialized for that kind of feather. So, you know, bottom line is, the, again, the general layout mm. of the feathers on the vast majority of birds, with some exceptions, a very, very similar layout of different specialized feathers to do the job for that part of the body, whether it's mm-hmm. flying, whether it's, uh, you know, keeping warm and having lots of body feathers, uh, that type of thing. Yeah. So, uh, And I think everyone's familiar with down feathers. That's yeah. the, those are the ones that help keep the bird really warm is that insulation layer, right? Because we use them in coats, but <laughs> they're really soft and make great pillows. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the other cool things is it's like, too... Uh, you know, you. I think you mentioned that you had seen, and we'll talk about it in detail, a bald-headed cardinal recently. Yes. And there's yeah, probably, just recently. <laughs> there's probably nothing, dare I say, uglier in the world than a bald-headed <laughs> cardinal. I mean, it's oh, yeah. just grotesque looking in many, many ways. 
the Cardinals fine. We'll talk more about it in a second. But what you're really seeing there is how those feathers also provide such a streamlined contour. You, you see a quote-unquote right. naked bird. They're, they're, <laughs> Birds they're are very, very streamlined. They're not feathers. very aerodynamic at all. You know? <laughs> but you layer on those feathers and boy, you know, you look at something like a cedar waxwing and they're just beautifully streamlined and, and you know, able to cut through the air because of the feathers and mm-hmm. not only providing lift but also providing that streamlined aerodynamics for them to, to be able to fly very efficiently. So, John, you said we'd bring it around to bald-headed cardinals. You know, that is one of those crazy things to actually see, a bald bird, because you got cardinals and jays and grackles. So let's chat briefly on why do we see bald birds? Yeah, it's, it is one of the more unusual things you can have in your in your in your yard. Uh, and, and, there's, and I think we mentioned them. They're starting to show up. I Actually, yes. this is something not just... Not just cardinals. I mean, a lot of different birds. Blue jays are kind of known mm-hmm. for this. I actually had a red-winged blackbird the other day that wasn't totally bald, but had a you know, oh, pretty wow. large percentage of its feathers gone from its head. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's a weird phenomenon. Uh, it, it's one of those things when you do the research on it, you get a lot of, well, we're not quite sure <laughs> right. what's causing this. <laughs> you know, we, we think it could be, you know, initially you see a lot of things referring maybe to mites. Causing yeah. the feathers to all fall out of their heads, you know, off the head at one time, and 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 you know, it's it is a, a, a simultaneous molt of all the head feathers at one time. So you literally get this bald-headed bird, which is very bizarre. Mm-hmm. Some people think because you know birds cannot preen their head feathers very well that they get an infestation of mites and it causes the feathers to all fall out. Right. Uh, that's one speculation, and it might be a combination of of a number of things. Another one is is uh, Genetics. I mean, there's there's been some, yeah, there's been some indication that uh, anecdotal, but that that it's just a genetic thing with some individual birds. For some reason, when they go into molt, something triggers and they lose all their head feathers at one time. Which is so crazy weird. And I remember reading some things in the past. It's been a while, uh, some research things, but they, where you had some birds that would go bald in a molting season. And next molting season, they wouldn't. Um, but others that would go bald in the molting season their whole life. Right, right. And so, yeah, it's it's such a an unknown still. Yeah. But the bottom line is it's not – it doesn't appear to be anything, you know, disease-related or anything that's going to be long-term, you know, detriment to the bird's health or anything like that. It just – seems to be a little bit of an abnormal situation where they indeed lose all their uh, all their head feathers and and it takes and they're fine and it takes you know yeah. as we've talked about a couple three weeks and they'll have all their head feathers back and look just as sleek and beautiful as before yep so just making sure they can find all the, the appropriate food they need to grow healthy feathers then yeah they're gonna be good with finding these different feathers in my yard sometimes I want to go look up and, and find exactly which bird species it is. You don't and have them all memorized? Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> every, every bird feather that can come off of a bird as they change them out, right? Uh, no, there are. John, if I ever knew that, then I'm, I'm taking it on the road, man. It's a show on the road, right? Uh, so I use a lot of times there are different resources like the Feather Atlas is an online resource. And there's also a, a corresponding book. Um, so you can yeah go old school and use a book to look up the feathers um, or go online and look them up. Right. And both resources are really helpful because it's the same kinds of information, but it, it helps walk you through 
what the shape of that feather is and if you, you measure it out and it helps you figure out just what kind of feather it is to be able to look it up to try to find the species. Uh, so I'd just say, go check out the Feather Atlas. You, you learn pretty quickly. How many feathers does an average bird have? Yeah, that's always a wonderful question. You know, it's a I'm always thinking, oh, you know, birds have feathers. How many? An average songbird, what, 2,000 feathers about, right? Give or take, yeah. A lot of the, so a lot of the birds in our backyards. Yeah, we got about 2,000 feathers. I wonder how many hairs on my head there are. <laughs> <laughs> I've got less than I used to, I guarantee you that. <laughs> Yeah, think about that. Two thousand. In some respects, you'd think they'd have more. I mean, two thousand right. feathers and all. You know, if you ever, if you ever uh, get a chance to actually, you know, look at and hold a feather or a bird, I should say, and really look at their body feathers. There's a lot of feathers on there, but right. really, it's it is a grand total of of two thousand, rougher, give or take. Now there are exceptions to that. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that's amazing on swans, <laughs> oh, they on have, waterfowl and waterfowl, waterfowl man, much just general, much heavier. But yeah. swans, holy cow, on the neck. Yeah. How, how many? 20,000 feathers on the neck alone. That is crazy. <laughs> so, but on average, a couple thousand feathers. So when we're talking about these birds refreshing and mm-hmm. refeathering, this time of year especially, when they go through molt, they are literally replacing and this time it sounds pretty big, 2,000 feathers. That's pretty <laughs> right. impressive when you think about that. So, you know, this is the time of year after, you know, they've got the nesting duties over with and they're, you know, if they're a migratory species, they're getting ready to migrate. They want the most efficient feathers to help them with their migration. Mm-hmm. If I've just finished nesting, but I'm not a migrant, my feathers are probably in pretty bad shape anyway. And plus, I want really good feathers because of the insulation properties going into the coming winter. Oh, so right. So this, this is that time of year where almost every bird does what we call a complete molt. And molting, just to clarify, because I love those science words, molting <laughs> is when you actually, you are dropping off your feathers and growing new ones. And at this time of year, it when... Like John, you said a complete molt, right? Mm-hmm. right. A complete molt means the entire bird, all every feather on that bird, every all two thousand some feathers are falling off, and and new ones are growing. And which is also really cool, they're growing out of the same follicles, kind of like we have a hair right. follicle. That feather follicle, when that feather falls off, a new one's going to come out of it. But two thousand, and they're obviously we don't see naked birds running around because. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't be able to fly. They wouldn't have the insulation. So they do it in a process and they yeah. do it in patterns, which is really fascinating to think about. Yeah. Yeah. I can take what six weeks or so, give or take for an average songbird to go through that entire molting process, which I think is fascinating when you think about it too. Cause we, we talk about, you know, we're just coming out of, it's still a few things nesting, but pretty much we're coming out of the nesting season at this point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get those nestlings and they fledge and, and you, you know, we talked, I think in the in previous episodes about the chickadees, 11 days, 11 mm-hmm. days between the time they hatch to the time they leave the nest. That's an incredible speed. And for them to grow all of those feathers in 11 days <laughs> right. is an amazing feat. Now, as an adult, it's probably going to take them more like six weeks. So what's the difference? Well, first of all, that chickadee is probably not growing 2,000 feathers. It's probably growing less feathers because its whole goal, 
is to get the heck out of that nest. That being mm-hmm. in a nest is a very, very dangerous and precarious situation. So bingo, I want to get out. And if that means I don't want to grow every feather I would ever need as an adult, I just need enough to get me out of this nest and to fly around a little bit. And so there, there are probably less feathers coming out of the nest as, as a, nest, a fledgling. And, and they are, and they're probably not as uh, strong and not as dense. Dense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you and I have talked about a number of times how fledglings look kind of soft and fuzzy and disheveled. Yeah. yeah. It's because the quality <laughs> of those feathers is is much less than it would be. Just enough uh, to get them to. Because yeah. if you're sitting in a nest, that's such a dangerous time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you said 11 days generally, if I'm a nestling growing my feathers. A chickadee. You know, yeah. Yeah, like a chickadee. Well, as an adult, you know, if I'm taking six weeks to, to mold all my feathers, that's a difference between 11 days and basically 42 days. Yeah. Which is interesting to, to do that little breakdown of days. And if I did my math right, and I never do it in my head because <laughs> I can't. <laughs> so I pulled out a calculator. Careful. I mean, careful. Exactly. I mean, you're looking at about 47 feathers per day for an adult bird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not like they grow out, boom, right, fully right. out in one day, right? <laughs> they pop out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, our hair doesn't even do that. <laughs> yeah, they actually grow about a tenth of an inch a day. These new feathers are growing at about a tenth of an inch a day. So it's a it's a progressive growth. And, and then, you know, then we've got that's body feathers. And then, you know, mm-hmm. they don't replace all the body feathers at once. They have it, literally they call it tracks. They literally, if you, again, get a chance to ever see this, the feathers in essence kind of running a straight line along different mm-hmm. parts of the body and that track maybe is the one that gets replaced this week or starts being replaced this week and the one next to it doesn't start for another two weeks or three weeks and so there's a progression of different areas of the body that that you know molt out those old feathers and start growing the new ones and then the primary well, feathers and the yeah, tail I think feathers that's what i, I think you're yeah. going the same place yeah um so you're going to say the primary and tail tail feathers you know, a bird is bilateral. Another one of those big, <laughs> just like people, I we're bilateral. If you, if you looked at us right down the middle, we have a left side and a right side that basically mirror one another. And when a bird is changing those feathers on the wings or on the tail, they, on the right side, if a feather's uh, dropping off to be growing a new one, on the left side, same thing's happening with the same feather, the right side, left side. Same on the tail, the right side and left side. Um, so if it's the fourth primary feather on the right wing, then at the same time, the fourth primary feather on the left wing is being replaced. And that they, yeah, they call that symmetrical molting. And, and why do they do that? <laughs> because <laughs> I want to still be able to fly and get the heck out of Dodge mm-hmm. if I need to. And so if I dropped them all at once and grew new ones, I'm in trouble. Yeah. And so, a primary feather is basically the major largest feather on the wing that provides lift for the bird to fly. Well, John, you also talked about, you mentioned that a feather grows about a tenth of an inch a day. There's so much science that happens (laughs) involved in all of that. Let's break that down a little bit. Talk a little bit more about what is happening each day for a feather to be able to grow a tenth of an inch. Well, you know, this is what's cool, too, when you're talking about, you know, finding feathers in your backyard. This is one of the cool things to do when you find a feather mm-hmm. is see if you can find evidence of that daily growth because oh, it yeah. might be there. Some feathers show it and display it better than others. Some bird species uh, like 
uh, tufted titmice. Uh, when I get a tufted titmouse and I'm doing the banding, I can really see what they call growth bars. And so what growth bars are, if you think of it in the terms of tree rings, you know, the tree ring basically shows your seasonal, your, your winter versus summer growth in a tree. Mm-hmm. A growth bar on a bird's feather is a daily record. And so during and the that's day... a little mind-blowing. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a daily growth record. Yeah. So, you know, really a direct answer to your question, you know, during the daytime, when lots of food is being given to that, that are, are being acquired during the daytime or being given to that nestling, that portion of the feather that grows during the daytime is denser and therefore shows darker. During it's the denser night, because there's, you have all that nutrition going into yeah. the bird and then being deposited into the, as the feather grows. At night, not so not much. So much. <laughs> less so nutrition. Get, it's yeah. still growing, but less yeah. nutrition. It's just not as dense. Yeah, that, so you get, get a kind of a corresponding yeah. lighter color, and so you get this pattern of dark, light, mm-hmm. dark, light, dark. It's not real obvious on a lot of different birds, but on many of them it is absolutely obvious, and you can see it, and you can actually see when they're getting good food because sometimes that growth bar is a little wider. And sometimes it's pretty narrow and it just depends on maybe it was a a bad weather period and they weren't getting a lot of protein to be able to grow that dense feather. You you know, John, talking about, okay, the nutrition on all these feathers, and we've hinted a little bit about uh, just a high protein content. Those birds are, when they're growing their feathers, whether it's the nestlings getting food from their parents or it's a, a, a bird that's off the nest or an adult bird and they're changing out their feathers, they're molting. They need a lot of protein to be able to, it's, it's one of those major building blocks, yeah, right? Yeah, and as we always say, your feeders are going to go wild during that time period because oh, yeah. they are coming on. If you have a lot of high protein foods, that helps to really, to get that activity on your feeders. Uh, birds also need some fat at that time because fat is the fuel for, in a, in a bird for flight is that, that fat is that fuel for them to physically grow those feathers, but it's really the protein's the key. You get into carotenoids. Yeah. Big words, and, right? And, and that's in the fat in the in the, the mm-hmm. fruit too. That's lipids right. are what are carrying all the different carotenoids and melanins <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, yeah. And yeah, and that comes into play because every once in a while you get a bird that's a different color and you're like, what is that thing? And maybe it looks splotchy or maybe it's a just completely different color or it's missing certain colors. Um, and then that gets in a whole new world of... Sometimes that's a genetic thing <laughs> or they just weren't getting enough of a, uh, a natural food. Talking about foods in your yard and, and can you help birds with the kinds of foods you have in your yard to help them molt during the summertime and going into fall? And of course, I'm going to say, <laughs> yes, yes, you can. Right, John? <laughs> Absolutely, Brian. That's what we do best, to be honest Indeed. with you. Yeah, it is that high protein stuff. Again, that, that, that keratin... 90% of the feather is protein. So you have already mentioned high protein foods. There's a lot of different things that you want to put out on your menu and have the potential to put out. And actually, uh, for goldfinches, uh, Niger seed is actually mm-hmm. very high in protein. Sunflower and sunflower chips are very high in protein. And then of course, you've got your whole standby of suet and suet products. And like in our case, our bark butter products are all pretty high in protein. 
So you've got a lot of different options to choose from if you want to feed mealworms right. and get protein there. There's just lots of different options to make sure that your birds uh, are uh, able to get all that protein that they need, you know, to do a successful, uh, complete molt uh, this time of year. But, you know, the other, <laughs> the other thing, and I keep saying it and sorry to be redundant here, but this is one of my favorite times of the year to feed birds because they are coming. I mean, you're going to see the activity level from here forward just continue mm-hmm. to get busier and busier and busier because, again, right. these birds get into molting. Bottom line is they're going to be hitting the feeders, seeking that protein, and you're going to see some obviously great activity at your feeders. All right, Brian. I think it's time for us to molt our way out of here today. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> There you go. There you go. And I tell you what, you know, everyone, thanks for joining us. And we want to hear from you. We want to know, did you have fun with this episode? Um, is there anything more that you want to learn? Because, uh, hey, we love reading those those comments and all the, the ratings. So wherever you're listening, chime in. Let us hear from you. Absolutely. And and please, 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 please join us next time. We're going to hopefully have a couple of special guests with us. Uh-huh. We got them on the hook. I guarantee you, you want to hear these guys because they're a riot. Lots of fun. But until that time, as always, Brian and I are going to let nature be our guide. And so until then, please take care and be safe. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nature Centered. To subscribe to this podcast, for show notes, or to connect with the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com podcast. Until we meet again, take some time to relax, enjoy the birds, get out in your backyard, and stay nature-centered.